Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Open your Bibles with me uh, to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to jump right in. If you remember part one, I started a a sermon, um, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, called God Give Me Double Vision. And I told you that when I came back from Jordan, I was going to have part two. Um, And so this this is going to be part two of, of of that message. We talked about when Elisha went up to Elijah and said, I want a double portion of your spirit. The spirit of God that rests upon you, I want that to be doubled. I want to experience a double portion of that spirit. And we talked about some of the locations that they would have gone and what those might have represented in the Bible and what that represents to us. And I said that in that message, and I'll say it again, I think what really hit me as I began to preach that message was I couldn't ever remember a time in my life where I had ever asked for a double portion of God's spirit. And... You know, I asked for a, a doubles of a lot of things, double the meat, I'm at Chipotle burrito, and I'll take a double espresso and, you know, double this and double that. But when's the last time we asked, Lord God, I want a double portion of your spirit? And we talked about that, that as believers, we are called to have double vision. Now, when you have double vision, it means you see two things simultaneously. Now, in the natural, if you have double vision, you're probably going to get dizzy, okay? So that's a bad thing. But what we have as, as believers is we have the ability to have double vision. Unbelievers only see the things of this world. And, and because that's all they see, they're driven by feelings and emotions and anxiety and fear and anger and all these things. But as believers, we have the ability to simultaneously say, yes, I see things in the natural, but I simultaneously have the ability to see something in the supernatural. I have double vision. And I believe that as Christians, we're called to have a double portion of supernatural vision to overcome anything in the natural. Now, in scriptures, you'll see this referred to all the time through the, through the gospels. Jesus refers to, he has lots of parables about this, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God or my kingdom is like this and the earthly kingdom is like this. And so even even Jesus is saying, hey, I got double vision here and I want all of you guys to have double vision too. There are two kingdoms at play here. There's the kingdom of this earth and there's the kingdom of heaven. And I want to begin to lean into this idea that when fear comes up in the natural, I want to see, I want to, I want to be able to see double the peace in the spirit. Uh, when, when anxiety or fear rises up, I want to be able to see a double portion of rest in my spirit. Uh, when, there, when, there's, when there's lack that comes up in the natural, or if there's confusion that comes up in the natural, I want to see a double portion of clarity in the spirit. And so I want us to lean into this today, and I just want to continue this same discussion. And so to do so, I'm going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6. Now in 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of the Arameans... Uh, is coming down and attacking Israel. Now, the Arameans uh, is kind of in modern-day Syria and parts of Turkey, parts of Lebanon, 
uh, one of the guests that came with us uh, to Jordan this week pastors the largest church in Lebanon. Uh, One of the guys pastors the largest church in Tokyo. He came. Another pastor from, from the nation of Jordan. And I could go on and on and tell you about all of the things that are happening, guys. I won't get sidetracked here. But they are seeing so many Muslims come to know Jesus. It is staggering. It's staggering by the hundreds. God is on the move. So in this story, the king of Aram or the, Amor, uh, the, the Arameans uh, are coming down. And that's what we're going to pick up in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. It says, he sent horses and chariots, he being the king of the Arameans, and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, this is interesting because it's talking about night. You know what night means? It's hard to see. It's hard to see at night. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray. Now watch this. Open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike these people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So this is going to be part two of God give me double vision. There's a lot of stuff happening in this text. This text that we just read, a lot of stuff dealing with the idea of vision or eyes or eyesight. So all of these things are happening at the same time. You've got one man who can only see one thing. He sees things in the natural. We're surrounded. And he says what we all say when we're afraid. Alas. Is that not what you say when you're startled? Alas. (laughs) I think that's so funny. Alas, what shall we do? Um, So he sees in the natural. And then you have Elisha, who we talked about last week, has double vision. And so Elisha is like, yeah, I see what you see. Because, you know, you know you can go both ways, right? You know that you can be so earthly minded that you're consumed with fear and anxiety and, 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 you know, enraged and all the things that would come out of that. But also, you all know this person, somebody that's so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Some of you are like, hmm, yeah, I know that guy. So Elisha had the ability to do both. This is so powerful. I hope we catch this. He could look into the natural and say, yep, I see all of it. I'm not sticking my head in the sand and pretending like it's not there. I see the division. I see all of it. I see the struggle. I see the army has surrounded us. I see it. But God opened his eyes so that he can see what I see. Because I see into another realm. I see something in the supernatural. So you have these two things at play. And then you've got God coming on the scene and saying, um, okay, I'm going to open the servant's eyes and I'm going to close the enemy's eyes. Isn't that cool that we serve a God who can like, yep, I'm going to give you vision and I'm going to shut you down. Isn't that beautiful? So God is at work in, the, in this story. As we all know, he, he, is, he is at work in all of our stories at any given moment. And so uh, what I want to do is I just want to take this text that we just read. It's my favorite way to preach, where you just take the text and let the text preach itself. Okay, I want to take the word of God 
And I want to unpack it one verse at a time, and I'm going to give you three things from this story that I believe is speaking to each one of us individually today, okay? Because the Word of God, we don't, many times we don't read the Word of God, the Word of God reads us. So what we're going to allow the Word of God to do is to come and speak to us today. So let's go back to verse 16. I want to pull one truth out of this verse. It says, so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So you can see what he's doing immediately. Elisha is saying, hey, just so we're clear, there's two things at work. There's those that are with us and those that aren't with us. He's saying it very clearly from the, right off the bat. There are two kingdoms at play here. Okay, so the first point, and I know it's super easy, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because it's that easy, but the first point we have to discover, we have to, we have to go here, we have to believe that there is another kingdom. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if you're sitting in church or watching online today, chances are you believe that there is another kingdom. You believe that there is something outside of what we see on a day-to-day basis. Now, to the measure at which you believe it is all, you know, that's where we all get divided and what we think. But we can all go back to the basics and say, you know what, I, I believe there's a God. I do. I believe there's a God. And sometimes we just got to go back to the basics. Like if I'm walking through a forest and I get a little off track and lost, I'm no genius, but I know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So I know that that's a truth. So I know that if I am lost, if the sun is over to my right, I know that that's east. If the sun is over to my left, I know that that's west. And sometimes you just got to go back to this point. my, My kids are getting to the age, you know, where when they get to certain ages into teenage years, it's like you, you can no longer tell them what to do. And it's terrifying as a parent because it's a lot easier when you're just like, don't touch that. That'll burn you. Don't touch that. So then you transfer into this different sort of parenting where you're like, you know what? I've had this conversation with, 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 with my kids before on a regular basis. If my kids are struggling with, with a theological question or struggling with their faith, I think as parents, we're there to guide them through that process but if we try to tell them what to believe, it, does, it doesn't work. They have to discover God for themselves. They can't ride your coattail to heaven. So I'll tell my kids all the time, well, listen, do you believe in God? Sometimes I gotta go back to the very basics. Do you believe? And then that begins to build the building blocks of our faith. But sometimes we gotta go back to the, to the, to the core of who we are and remember what we believe. I, I, I think, you know, I love that Elisha said, He tells the servant, do not fear. Now, what's the opposite of fear? Faith. Somebody over here, really smart. So the opposite of fear would be faith. And what what Elisha is saying, hey, there's two kingdoms here. There's fear and there's faith. There's this earthly realm and there's a heavenly realm. Do you believe that there could be another realm? Because right now, I've noticed that all you see is being surrounded. So he, he first wants to, to, to clarify, hey, do you believe that there actually could be something else at work here? Because God wants our hearts. I'm, I'm, I've preached on this so much. God wants our hearts. You know what the devil wants? If God wants your heart, the devil wants your eyes. Because yeah. yeah. if the devil gets your eyes, he gets your feelings and he gets your emotions and he gets what you would call truth. And this is why the idea of truth is just totally twisted is because we've made truth whatever I think truth is because I see truth through my own eyes. Instead of saying, no, God's, God's truth is the only truth, the word of God. And so the devil is after our eyes. And think about it, that's what the servant was doing. It says that the servant went out and he saw the enemy had come to surround him. 
This is what the enemy does to us. The enemy will come on the scene and he will always present himself in a way that's in the natural. Your hot water tank will break down. The doctor's report will be negative. You know, whatever it is, he's going to come and present himself into something in the natural. So what we as believers have to do is to become double vision. I can see both. I see what you're up to, devil, but I, but, but, but I, but I want you to know, devil, that there's another kingdom, and I believe in another kingdom. And it starts with the basics of just understanding, and I know that's basic, okay? So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that, but I do want to show you this in verse 14. It says, the enemy sent horses. This is what the enemy does. He sends stuff to attack you. We shouldn't be shocked at this. The enemy sent horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night. They came under the, the, the cover of darkness when you didn't see it. You couldn't see it because it was in, in the dark and surrounded the city, the city. And this is what the enemy does. He comes and sends things in the natural. And the enemy will always send things to surround us and try to get us to respond the same way the servant responded. <gasps> Alas! <laughs> What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because something in the natural has come. And this is, think about Jesus, okay? Uh, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Identity, intimacy, goes off into the desert. Now the enemy comes to attack Jesus. He comes to tempt Jesus. He attempts him in three ways. All three ways were in the natural. Turn this stone into bread. Throw yourself off this mountain and bow. Do three, three things in the natural. And every time Jesus was like, oh, I got double vision, devil. I see what you're up to. I'm, I'm, I see you telling me to do something in the natural. So I'm going to go into the supernatural and grab the word of God, a double portion of something supernatural to come back and combat the natural with. Um, Jesus had double vision. Asked Peter. He looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't think he was calling Peter Satan. I think Jesus saw the enemy at work through Peter. He had double vision. He was like, I see what you're up to, devil. I see what you're up to. So we have to have this ability as believers to see what the enemy is up to, to know what he's doing, and to believe that there's another kingdom. All right, so let's go on to the, to the next verse, verse 16. It says, so he answered, do not fear. This is the same verse, actually. Do not fear for those who are with us are, these are really important words, more than. Say that with me. Say more than. More than those who are with them. So there's two, two key things in this passage I want to pull out. Uh, the word fear, we talked about this a minute ago, but I want to show you the word fear. Because when we think of fear, we think of like scared or frightened, like Halloween, you know, like that kind of fear. This Hebrew word for fear in this text is the Hebrew word yare, and it means to stand in awe, to revere, to honor, to respect. Now think about this. Elisha is telling his servants, stop honoring the enemy. <laughs> Leave that up there for a second, Nicole. He's saying, stop standing in awe of the enemy's attack. Stop respecting the enemy more than you respect me. Stop giving more weight to the kingdom of this earth than you are to the kingdom of heaven. So it's a different, different meaning of the word. And then he says, those who are for us, 
Those who are with us are more than, two words in the English, one word, one really short word in Hebrew is the Hebrew word rav, and it means greater than, more numerous than, exceedingly greater. Did you know that when, we, when, we, uh, when the enemy attacks us and we get so overwhelmed with what's actually happening in the natural, that it could actually, according to the Hebrew text, it could actually be perceived as us honoring the enemy more than we're honoring God. Oh, alas. <laughs> so, point number two, if you're taking notes, we must, first, we have to believe that there's another kingdom, but secondly, one kingdom is greater than the other. So first, we'll start with the basics. Do you believe in God or not? Well, yeah, I believe in God. Okay, step two, God's bigger. This is what Elisha is telling him. Um, James, James 2, verse 19 says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. Did you know that it's not enough to just believe God exists? <laughs> He's like, well, good for you. You think God exists. So do the demons. You must believe that one thing is greater than the other. It is greater. If one kingdom is greater than the other, then that kingdom, please catch this, must be placed first. It must be placed first. It already is first, but you must place it first in your life. I must willingly Look at both. I've got double vision. I see the, the craziness, the, the heights of, of all the crazy things that are happening in this world and in my life and the challenges and the struggles and what seems impossible. But I am placing God's kingdom first because God's kingdom is greater. I must activate this in my life and place this into that position. Um, well, how do we do that? Hmm. What does it look like to have double vision. What does that practically look like? Because it's a cute metaphor, it's a cute little sermon illustration. But what does that really look like? Um, I wanna go back all the way to Elisha's life when he got his double vision. Before Elijah coming on the scenes and throwing his mantle over him, Elisha was a, was a farmer. We find Elisha plowing a field with, with his ox. And Elijah comes on the scene and opens his eyes to a whole nother realm. Okay, and I want to show it to you. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 20. This, is, this was the response that Elisha has. It says, Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. He's saying, there's a whole new world. Is that Aladdin? I was like, I started singing that song in my head. Did you start singing that song too? Oh, no. Okay. He's, he's like, I see where you're wanting to take me, but first, can I go back to this earthly kingdom and just kiss my parents by? I just want to give them a kiss. And watch what Elijah says. Go on back. But th <laughs> Elijah must have been Southern. Go on back. Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. Think about this. He used the wood from the plows to burn a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his servant. What does it look like to put, what does it look like to have double vision? Um, really, I would say to have double vision and to get a double portion of the spirit, 
does not mean that now we levitate everywhere and we become so spiritual and everyone, we can just give everyone wisdom and, oh, you know, I can give you a prophetic word and you a prophetic, and maybe you should, and you should pursue that. You should, you should seek a prophetic gift. Paul tells us to. It doesn't mean that every person you lay hands on is going to grow back an arm. It, doesn't, it may not mean all of these crazy things that we may imagine it to be. I think what it means to have double vision, how do we do that? You become kingdom-minded first. It's kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? I'm, I'm kingdom-minded first. The kingdom comes before my business. The kingdom comes before my personal finances. The kingdom comes before my personal time. The kingdom comes first. And this is what Elijah, Elisha's figuring out. He's like, can I just go back and kiss? I just want to kiss him goodbye. I just want to, and he, what do he do? He goes back to his source of income and he burns the plows. He burns it. He's like, I want to make sure that I never go back to what was comfortable. I never want to go back to what was familiar. I, I, I'm going to burn the plow and I'm going to kill the ox. Now, I'm not telling you you need to go and burn your house and slaughter your dogs, okay? <laughs> it's not what I mean. I mean that we become so, have such double vision that no matter what this world throws at us, we think of the kingdom first. The kingdom comes first in every aspect of our life, in every single, and if you don't believe me, Jesus was kind of big on this. Uh, when he's about to be crucified, Pontius Pilate begins to ask him all of these questions about this kingdom, and you're the king of the Jews, and what does that mean? And they have, they're having this dialogue. And in John chapter 18, verse 36, this is what Jesus said. He said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. Two kingdoms. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. There are two kingdoms and one kingdom is greater. First John chapter two, John wrote this. He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the father, the love of the father is not in them. Um, this past week when I was in Jordan, one of the amazing places that I got to go is one of my favorite sites is this place called Macarius. And Macarius was the palace. Um, this is the, this is, I took this photo standing, looking up at the palace. It was on top of this hill. Obviously there's been, or that's what it used to look like. Go back to that other photo. Uh, now this is just the ruins that remain. This is the place of, of, of Herod Antipas. And we know, history tells us that this is where John the Baptist was taken. And this is where John the Baptist was beheaded. So we were standing up on this tell, the top of this ancient, these ancient ruins, um, looking around and, and looking at this place. And we begin to talk about this as a group. And one of the things that really, really stuck out to me, we begin to replay and read the scriptures that took place at the very place we were standing. When, when John the Baptist sends word, you can go to Luke and, and Matthew accounts of it too. John the Baptist sends word to Jesus. Now imagine John the Baptist, he is comes on the scene preparing the way, right, for the chosen one. He comes on the, on the scene with this major anointing. He's the one that baptizes Jesus. He's living in the supernatural. And then he finds himself in a prison cell, and he sends word to Jesus through the disciples. And, and he literally asks Jesus, are you the Messiah, or should we expect someone else? <laughs> he, he was right in the middle of having this battle between the nat what I see in the natural versus what I know in the supernatural. You can see the struggle of this, him trying to, to, 
to figure out the double vision that he's seeing. And Jesus sends word back to him and he says, hey, tell John the Baptist that the lame walk and that the blind see and that the dead are being resurrected from the dead. And Jesus is sending him word back saying, hey, hey, kingdom minded first. Past your feelings, past all those things. And then Jesus says this, this isn't the kind of verses that get people excited or grow churches. But Jesus says this, watch, when Jesus makes the account of John the Baptist, this is what Jesus wrote, this is what Jesus said, Luke 7, 28. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. No one greater than John the Baptist. There's no one greater. Now, let let me point something out. John the Baptist had no followers. He had no ministry. He had no television ministry. He didn't have any Instagram followers. He wasn't a very big deal. No one really knew who he was. But Jesus said, this is the greatest man who's ever been birthed by a woman. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, you go on in that same verse. Jesus puts a yet. He says, yet, the one who is least in this kingdom, not the earthly kingdom, he said, the one who's the least in my kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. There's never been anyone as good as John the Baptist, but if you choose to have double vision and to get a double portion of a kingdom that you know not of, but God will reveal to you, if you'll step into that, not for clout, not for recognition, not for any other reason than to be a part of being kingdom-minded first, God says, you're greater than John the Baptist. You're greater than John the Baptist. And this sunk into me so deeply as I was standing and sitting in this area, and it was like God gave me this picture now, we were in, in Petra earlier in the week and these amazing carvings and they were showing kind of what it looked like now and you look at it and you're like, yeah, they weren't that good at carving. It looks pretty terrible. But, you know, 300 years BC, then they would take this little transparency and they would overlay it on top of it and they said, this is what it used to look like, right? Then you're just like, oh my gosh, how... How could they do that? So what you're doing is you're taking something, this is what I see in the natural, and then I'm overlaying it with something supernatural on top of it. So, so what we are called to do as believers is to acknowledge the natural, okay? In fact, step right into the natural. Engulf yourself in the natural. Jesus said we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So we're, we're supposed to get in it, okay? We're supposed to get in the mess, okay? And we have amazing ministries here. I, was, I talked to Christy Luther at the nine o'clock. She has a ministry that, that goes into the prisons and ministers to women. Sarah McLean is here. She has a, a breast cancer uh, ministry that goes into the world, into the mess. Moses sent Aaron down into the plague. We're supposed to be in the world, but then we have this uncanny ability as believers to look at something that looks terrible and overlay it with something supernatural and say, God, give me a double portion. I see, I see the natural, but I need enough of this. I need a double portion of this to outdo anything that the world could throw at me. And this is that double portion. This is what I want us to take. And I pray that you're, I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Anytime I go on some trip, I come back and I'm just like, blah. So I know I'm going real deep, real fast, but I'm praying that this is, that this is sinking in. Here's the irony of this. Um, 
how I describe this. I'm, I'm urging you to get a vision for the supernatural. But ironically, at the same time, in order to step into the supernatural, it requires action in the natural. Isn't it funny how God does this? Like he takes the natural and the supernatural, and he's just like, let's just mix it up. You know, and you see this all through scripture. So Peter, Peter was going to step into something crazy supernatural. He was going to walk on water. You ever done that? I've never done that. And so in order for him to do something supernatural, he had to step into it in the natural. Took a step. Took a step. And many times I think we just kind of hold back, like, God, do something supernatural. Um, in, in Exodus 14, Moses has kind of given his locker room speech to the Israelites, and he's like, we're going to be fine. You know, he says, be still and know that I am God. You know, we preach that. And the very, what we don't preach is the very next verse, because God says, literally, what are you looking at me for? Tell the Israelites to move on. That's literally what God says. What are you looking at me for? Go. Very next verse, Moses stretches out the staff, waters part, off they go. God's saying, you take a step in the natural, and I'll take two steps in the supernatural. Right? He tells Mary and Martha, roll the stone to the side. Lazarus is in there. Well, Jesus, you're going to raise him from the dead. Can't you just move the stone too? No, you do something in the natural that shows me that you believe that there's a greater kingdom. Because in order for me to do something in the natural, I have to look at the natural and be like, whew, oh, but there's a greater kingdom. So yeah, let's take a step. Let's take a step. God is always mixing this up in us. Gideon became the greatest warrior ever, right? But if you remember, God came to him and called him a mighty warrior, and Gideon was like, I'm the weakest guy in the weakest clan, the weakest of the weak. Gideon had to take a step. He had to walk out of that wine press like, well, here we go. Okay, God. I don't even know how to swing a sword, but we're going to do this. It always involves this idea of taking a step. And Elisha is doing this. He's like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Years later, historians believe it was six years later that he looked at Elijah and said, I want a double portion. But it was six years prior to that. He was like, God, I don't know what we're doing, but I'm going to burn my plows and I'm going to kill these stupid ox and I'm going to take a step into the supernatural and just believe that you're going to do something in this process through me. So I don't know what this looks like for you, okay? How do we internalize this? How do we make this practical in our own lives? I don't know what this looks like for, the, what this looks like for you. Maybe you're a businessman and you've been needing to expand, but you're just like, ah, I don't know if we should do that or not. It's iffy. Maybe, it's, maybe it has to do with your marriage. Maybe it has to do with your personal finances. Maybe it has, I don't know what it has to do with in your life. That's for you and the Holy Spirit to wrestle out. But I do pray that this is beginning to sink in, that God, give me double vision. Let me see what I can't see. Um, I may get some flack for this, but I'll say it anyways. You know me. Several months ago, um, I took the leadership team here, and we went out, um, and we, were, we went hog hunting. Is that okay that we went hog hunting to make sure? No animal activists in the room? Okay. So the, the irony of this hog hunt is you do it at nighttime. And these are dangerous animals, okay? And so we go out and, and we go out to this, this, this guy that I know who owns a ranch. 
And he's like, we're going to go hog hunting at night. And I'm thinking, yeah, but we'll have spotlights. It'll be fine. So we get out there and we, you put your hand in front of your face. You can't see your hand. Like you can see nothing. And you can hear these hogs. They're running all over the place and they're snorting and doing all their stuff. And I just heard all these horror stories of them, you know, stabbing people with their tusks and all this crazy stuff. And we're a bunch of city boys. We're like, okay, what are we doing out here? And then he hands us these rifles that when you put them up through the scope, they're night vision scopes. Somebody just said, oh, amen. You can only preach this sermon in Oklahoma, by the way. Like if you preach this in any other state, I would lose, I would get canceled, like immediately canceled. What I'm trying to say is we had walked into something where we were, we were the prey. I felt like this is the stupidest thing we've ever done. Like we've done some stupid stuff before. But we're going to all die, and the church is going to be like, where's the leadership? We're like, I don't know. They died in a hog hunt. It was tragic. <laughs> Headline read, local pastors gored, gored to death by a hog. I, I was like, we were the prey, and then all of a sudden, we, get, we went from being hunted to being the hunter. And I think that this is a picture of Christians. When, when, when God hands us vision... God wants to give you double vision. In fact, he wants to give you a double portion of his, of his vision. And so many Christians spend their lives running around trying to avoid the enemy, like, please don't shoot me, instead of running at the enemy, like, bring it on. Let's go. So let me pull the, the last one out. We've got a few minutes here. Second Kings 6, verse 17. Verse 17 says, Then Elisha prayed and said, so powerful, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Now that's interesting. Think about this. It says that when he saw in the supernatural, he saw chariots and horses of fire. If you go back to when Elisha was caught up to heaven, guess who took Elijah to heaven? Horses and chariots of fire. So he's seeing something in this. Elisha's like, oh, y'all back. Okay. He's seeing something that he had already seen before because he saw in that realm. He saw in the kingdom of heaven. And he's like, God, would you please open this cat's eyes so he can see what I see? So God supernaturally opens his eyes and he sees what he sees. And this verse 18 says, and they came down and Elisha prayed again to the Lord God, strike these people with blindness. Now I want you to, to notice God blinded the enemy and enlightened the servant. But the servant opened his eyes first before the enemy's eyes were closed. Wouldn't it be easier if God would strike our enemies first? That'd make me feel better. God's like, no, I want to see you have a vision. I want you to open your eyes first and see what I see. And then I'm going to strike the enemy down. So the third thing is this. I believe this. Number three, there is something God wants to show you. Amen. I really believe that. I believe that the servant saw in the natural, but there was something that God wanted to see, the servant to see in the supernatural. And here's what's cool for the servant. What he saw in the supernatural was already there. <laughs> he just didn't see it yet. He just wasn't privy to that information. So the truth that his enemies were surrounded by a heavenly host was already the case. He just didn't know it. Um, I'll tell you the story. It's cool that Pastor Jennifer was here. I didn't know she was going to be here today. 
Um, but Pastor Jennifer, you know, she's the previous co-founder of Victory Church. We love you. We honor you, by the way. She's amazing. And so if you, if you rewind um, seven years, is it seven years or eight years now? I, in 2014, I became the lead pastor. So at that time, that summer before that, Pastor Jennifer comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to go down and talk to this guy in Dallas. His name's Jimmy Evans. And I'm like, who's Jimmy Evans? Okay. I don't even know who Jimmy Evans is. I'm going to go down and talk to this guy named Jimmy Evans. Will you just come with me? So Pastor Dale and I went with Pastor Jennifer and we went down to Dallas. And we were just there for kind of moral support and what she was going through. And so her and Pastor Jimmy were talking about all kinds of stuff in the personal life. And then, and then Pastor Jimmy starts saying, well, what about the church? What's the, what's the plan for the church? And mind you, I'm just sitting over on the side like, oh. I'm the interim, but I like, I don't know what's going on. I, God, let's move this along because I don't know if I can, you know, I don't know how much, luck, I don't know how to be a senior pastor. I don't know what we're doing. And so they start talking for a while. And, and finally, Jimmy Evans, I kid you not, Jennifer's here to, I'm glad you're here because you can vouch for it. Jimmy Evans literally says, Jennifer, can I stop you right there? And Jimmy Evans looks over at me and I just met Jimmy Evans 10 minutes ago. And he goes, that's your senior pastor right there. And you need to name him senior pastor. And I'm like, so, so what had happened is, I believe now, I didn't know then, I had the anointing back then, but I didn't know it. I didn't have the vision for it. I, all I could see was the natural of what we were facing as a church and what we were facing and what we were going through and what I was going through. I, I didn't even have a vision for that. And this has been my prayer for two weeks. I've been praying, God, give me double vision. God, give me double vision. God, give me double vision. Because as thankful as I am for Jimmy Evans and, and all the pastors and mentors that God surrounds me with, and I lean on them and they speak into my life and I'll continue for that to happen. But you know, my, my prayer is now, God, I want to get so in tune with your spirit and have such a double portion of your spirit that Jimmy Evans doesn't have to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> that... I just begin to sense those things in those moments. And, I, and when the world comes at me, I can just step back and say, yep, I see you, I see you. But I'm going to take a double portion of this instead. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to put God's kingdom first in my life. And this is, what I, this is my prayer for all of us. This is my prayer that we can lean into this. And we were, we were at um, one of the places we went in Jordan. We went to Mount Nebo. Now, Mount Nebo is the mountain that God took Moses to whenever he struck the rock instead of spoke to the rock, he said, you're not going to go into the promised land, but I'm going to show it to you. So he's like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking the whole way up this mountain. I'm like, okay, I've never been here before, but if God chose this mountain as the viewpoint of all of Israel, this could be a good view. And he was right. It was amazing. You can see so far. You can see past the Jordan River up into the, you can, you can see, you can, you can see so far north, south, you know, I mean, west, north and south. But if you go back and read that verse, the verse says that God took him to Mount Nebo and showed him the land all the way to the Mediterranean and all the way to the north and all the way to the south. And I'm standing there going, I can't see the Mediterranean. That's, the Mediterranean is a long ways over there. So we're standing there and the guide says, you know what I believe? The guide said, I believe that God gave Moses supernatural vision to see further than what he could see in the flesh. 
I think God loved him so much that he said, I'm going to show you all the land that I promised the people. And so I want God to give me supernatural vision that I can see further and clearer for my family, for my finances, for the church, for the university, for everything that God has put me in. I want God to give me supernatural vision to see further than I should be able to see. Amen? And God wants, I I just want to drive this home. God wants to show you something. And that's why this course of us getting to this point has been so important because it all starts with identity. You are not an orphan. Stop acting like an orphan. You're a daughter. You're a son. He loves you. And then we start talking about intimacy with the Father. We're we're sons and we're daughters. He wants to be with us. Welcome home. Come home. All of that leading up to this point. Because some of us don't think that we're, we're capable or worthy of a double portion of spirit. But... I believe whatever it is that you're fighting, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're waiting on God to speak to you in, I am here to tell you it may not be the easiest thing. It may not be like flipping on a light switch, but God wants to show you something. And what I know about God from personal experience is many times he doesn't want to show me what I want to see. He wants to first show me something in me that I didn't want to see. So if I'm praying for breakthrough in my marriage, and you're asking God to let you see, he might open your eyes to something that you're doing to cause the problem in the first place. But that's okay too, isn't it? Right? So what we're saying, come on, will you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Edmund Campus, join us. Will you just put your arms up in a posture of, of receiving or giving or whatever, just an action. What we're saying, God, is we want to see can you say this with me can you say God give me double vision come on say it again like you mean it say God give me double vision God we are going to boldly ask you for a double portion word says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. We acknowledge, God, that we are nothing without you. If we try to do this earthly kingdom on our own, we will fail and we have failed time and time again. And we feel surrounded by the enemy. I don't know what it is right now. Maybe, maybe you're fighting a financial struggle. Maybe you're fighting a, a relational issue. Maybe it's a, a business, a career. I don't know what it is that you're fighting right now. But what I'm praying and what I encourage you to pray is, God, let me see what I don't see. Even if what is hindering it is something that's in me. God, if there's things that are holding us back, just reveal them to us, Lord. Just show us. Let it be a a personal revelation. May it be something through a, a scripture. The word of God shows us, convicts us. Maybe it's a sermon. Maybe it's a loving friend that just comes along and says, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Whatever it is, God, we are asking you to reveal it. Reveal it to us. Open our eyes so that we can see in the spirit.
Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.